Good morning. My name is Father Adam Bradley. I'm the Assistant Vocation Director for the Diocese of Green Bay, so I assist Father Mark Melezova in helping to make new priests. Because of that, I don't normally have a parish, so I help out wherever there is uh, a need. Um, this weekend, both Father Tom and Father Kevin are out visiting family and friends or on vacation, so when the varsity team is away, they call up the JV squad from the diocese, so that's why I'm with you. Today's gospel is one that points to the reality that at the end of our lives, we will all have to go before Jesus and we will be judged according to the way that we lived our life. And one of the temptations that we fall into in the midst of this realization is we have a tendency to fall into the temptation to think that it's going to be that God is going to have a, all of the good things that we've done and all of the bad things that we've done. He's going to bring out a scale, put the good stuff on one side, the bad stuff on the other side. Hopefully the good stuff outweighs the bad and we get to go to heaven. When in reality, the measure by which we will be judged is that of love. Because that is who God is. We know from the scriptures, God is love. And God desires to be in a relationship with each one of you. And that relationship is one that is founded on himself. It's one that is founded on love. And it's that same love that is holding all of you in existence right now. And it's that same love that he desires to enter into a deep and profound and personal relationship with you. But it's something that he initiates See, God, in calling you into existence, saw that you being here was a great good. Oftentimes, we don't know how to go about a relationship with God. Oftentimes, we kind of stumble in our spiritual lives. And that's because oftentimes we don't understand that it is a pr from a profound place of goodness that the Lord has called you into existence and that he is the one who has initiated this relationship with you. So in, in creating you, he desires to love you, and he desires you to receive that love so that you can reflect that love to the rest of the human race in a way that only you can because he didn't make another one of you. And this is part of what makes you unique, is the fact that there is some facet of God's plan that cannot be completed unless you're the one doing it. And God was very, very intentional when he placed you here. He saw that throughout all of time and history, you existing now in this place, in these circumstances, was the greatest thing for the salvation of souls. And he loved that part of his plan so much that that love is causing and holding you in existence. Which means if God stopped loving you or God forgot about you, it wouldn't be as though you were here one minute and gone the next. It would be as though you never occurred. So the fact that you're here means that God has a plan for you. And he desires to enter into a relationship with you. And the same intentionality with which he called you into existence is the same intentionality with which he desires to lead you through this life. And as I said earlier, he was very intentional when he placed you here in these circumstances. And he saw that it was such a great good that he didn't ask your permission to create you. 
He saw that you being here was such a great good that that love causes your very existence. But oftentimes throughout our life, we have a tendency to lose sight of God's intentionality within our life. Or we tend to lose sight of that unique part of the Father's will that we are called here to complete. And that's because throughout our life, we do things like sin, or we have bad things happen to us, or there's things that go on in the world that we don't understand. And one of the things that those have a tendency to do within our life is it has a tendency to take our gaze off of the Father and to place it on ourselves or on these circumstances. But even worse, what happens within our interior lives is that God has created a place in our interior life, in the depths of our heart, that is reserved for you and him alone. But oftentimes we permit things to get into that area of our heart. And what ends up happening when that begins to happen is that we become very discouraged, we become anxious, we become frustrated, we begin to lose faith, and we become, we, we participate in, on some level, in a very miserable part of life. The reason why he created this area of our hearts is because he desires to fulfill that. He desires to enter into a profound relationship with you. To reveal the love that he has for you in a way that only you can receive it because he didn't make another one of you. That there is some part of the life of God that he wants to share with you personally that he doesn't want to share with anyone else. That there is an infinitely personal part of this relationship that he desires to have with you. But oftentimes we lose sight of this relationship because while we have sinned and while we've had th bad things that have happened to us, we tend to identify ourselves by things that aren't worth putting our identity in. We have a tendency to identify ourselves by the good things that we've done or the bad things that we've done, by things that might or might not have happened to us, by what school we go to, by our friends, what family we come from, what job we have. These are all a part of who you are, but it's not who you are. You are who you are in relationship to the one who created you. Which means by virtue of your creation and your baptism, you are a beloved son or daughter of God the Father. And the operative word in that statement, the one that we need to pay attention to, is beloved. God loves you. He desires to do great and amazing things with your life. He desires to reveal himself to you in an infinite and profound way. And he desires to enter into this relationship with you. Because he loves you. So when we begin to identify ourselves by things that aren't of God, by, by taking away that uh, relationship or detracting from it, by identifying ourselves by things that aren't worth it, Again, we become very anxious and frustrated, discouraged and despondent, and we feel lost and like we're spinning our wheels in, the, in our interior lives. 
One of the things that also comes up in the midst of that is we also have a tendency to give in to shame. There's a difference between guilt and shame. They feel almost exactly the same, but there's a minor difference. Where they come from is different. Guilt says I did something wrong and I need to make up for it. Guilt serves a purpose in our life. It keeps us in right relationship with others and with God. Guilt is what brings us to confession. Guilt is what, is what um, propels us to apologize to others. Guilt serves a purpose. Usually after we've done those things or we've made reparation in some way, the feelings of guilt usually begin to subside. Shame, on the other hand, says, I've done something wrong or something wrong was done to me and therefore there's something wrong with me or I'm broken There's something messed up about this. This isn't right. And again, we begin to identify ourselves by that. Shame has no place in the Christian life because shame is rooted in a lie. Shame is rooted in the fact that we've allowed some part of our life that isn't worth it to get into that area that is reserved for you and God alone. We begin to identify ourselves by it. I did this, therefore I am fill in the blank. God desires to remove all of those areas of shame and frustration from our lives because he doesn't want there to be any obstacles between him and you. That believe it or not, God desires this profound relationship with you and he desires to remove those things from the depths of our hearts so that when we look in the mirror or when we go before him, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are beloved children of God and that it is that that identifies us. That we aren't any of those other things. We are children of a father who loves you. And he proved that love to you one day when he picked up his cross and walked outside of the town where his father was thought to have dwelt, and was crucified, died and was buried, and on the third day rose again. God became man. He condescended himself. The infinite God became man and was killed by his creation. Why? Because love makes you do crazy things. That's why. It is the infinite expression of love that brought Jesus to carry his cross and to die for each one of us because he doesn't want anything to come in between you and him. And he loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. Love makes you do crazy things. Even further, he desires to be with you so much that he spends 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in that gold box right there waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He wants to be with you. So much that he allows himself to be made present in the Eucharist and to sit in a tabernacle in an empty church waiting for you. 
And whenever you come here, whether it's for Sunday Mass or just for a brief moment, that brings great joy to the heart of Christ. What we begin to find is as we engage the Lord in a relationship, as we visit him and as we pay attention to him and as we allow him to form our hearts, what we begin to find is his mercy and his love for us. And if we begin to know God the way that he desires to be known, that day of judgment that we will all encounter at the end of our lives becomes a lot less scary because we know the person who's going to be judging us. When we don't know him, it's frightening. But if we get to know him and allow ourselves to be known by him, that day is a lot less scary because you know the person who you're going before. You've already brought those things that you're afraid of to him. And you've already experienced his love and his mercy. You've permitted him to love you, particularly in areas where you might not feel lovable, and those areas don't have a claim on you anymore. Rather, his love does. But the work of getting to know him begins now. It begins today. It's going to be really hard on the day of judgment to get to know Jesus while he's judging you. That's not the time. The time is now. And on some level, you all believe this. You would not have come here today if on some level you weren't participating in the invitation that God has for you to draw into a deeper and profound relationship with him. Even if you're sitting here like, well, my mom and dad told me I had to come, so it's like, fine, you're here. God desires to reveal himself to you today and every day. He is always immediately present to us. And your feelings don't have a say in that. Whether you feel that God is a million miles away or standing right in front of you, it doesn't change the fact that he is closer to you than you are to yourself. That it is his love that is holding you in existence and that he desires this profound relationship with you so much so that he is always present to you. If we allow our feelings to muddy the waters there, if we say to ourselves, like, he doesn't feel close to me, therefore he must not be, that's like letting the tail wag the dog. Okay? It's backwards. Whenever we don't feel as though God is there, that's an opportunity to engage him on a deeper level in that relationship and to say, even though you don't feel close to me, God, right now, even though you feel a million miles away and everything in my life is kind of crumbling, I am deciding now to make an act of faith on the love that you promised, on the relationship that you want to have with me. I'm placing my faith there, not in my feelings. And I'm going to live as though I am your beloved child. I'm going to continue to choose the good, even though it's not what I want to do right now, because I believe that you desire to be with me in heaven, and I want to live as though I desire to be in heaven. The Christian life is not complicated. 
love God in this life, be loved by him in this life, and enter heaven and love him and be loved by him forever in the next. It's not complicated. It is very difficult. It's way easier said than done. If it were easy, this church would be packed and you wouldn't need me to tell you what today's gospel is about or anything else, anything else in the spiritual life. It's not complicated, but it's difficult. But one of the reasons why you're here is because the Lord, believe it or not, trusts you. He trusts you to live out this life. He trusts you to come to him. He trusts you to bear your heart and soul to him so that he can address whatever's in there. The good, the bad, the ugly. He came and died for it all. Not for part of it. Not for the parts that you think are good and want to reveal to him. For all of it. The light and the dark. The stuff that brings us peace and the scary stuff. He came for it all because he wants nothing to separate you from him. The only question left unanswered is, will you permit him? He's not going to force himself into your life because he respects you. But he will patiently wait there until you open the door of your heart to him. Will you do that? Will you do that and welcome him into your life in this life and walk with him every day, even when it's difficult, even when you don't want to, even when it's frustrating, even when it's confusing? Will you allow yourself to walk with him in this life until you are safely with him forever in the next? And that is a question that only you can answer. And that is a question that Jesus is waiting to know the answer to. And he desires to walk with you and to be present to you until you are with him forever.